When you study the scriptures, you find that God uses several different pictures and analogies to help us understand his relationship to us. Sometimes he's pictured as a teacher teaching students. Uh, we have Jesus using the analogy of a mother hen who brings her chicks under her wing to protect them and shelter them in one case. Uh, at times, God uses the analogy of him being a father to his children. And here we have the picture of a shepherd with his sheep. In Luke 15, we have three separate times that God gives us this picture of him coming after us. You've got the picture of a woman who loses a coin, that goes after the coin to find it and rejoices when she finds it. You've got the story of a shepherd who leaves the sheep to go after, the leaves the 99 to go after the one that was lost and find it. We have the picture again of a father sitting on his front porch waiting for his son to come home. This morning, I want us to examine this analogy that God uses pretty frequently of him being a shepherd and us being sheep. You'll find that in, uh, in John chapter 10 in the New Testament, Jesus takes on that analogy of him being the good shepherd who lays his life down for the sheep. And in Psalm 23, the entire thing is a reference to God being a shepherd and us being sheep. Now today, I want to preach on God. I want to preach on the shepherd. There are five things I want to share with you about the shepherd. But before I get to the shepherd, I just want to acknowledge that in this scenario, in this analogy that God gives us, we are the sheep. And sheep need a shepherd. I cannot stress that enough. Sheep need a shepherd to survive. If they don't have a shepherd, sheep will not last long. Sheep have no ability to protect themselves from their, from their enemies. They have no defense mechanism. They don't even have horns to fight off anything that would come after them. Sheep are totally incapable of protecting themselves. Something else that's interesting about sheep is they do not have great vision. They cannot see far. And so they need somebody to look ahead and to make sure that the sheep are headed in a safe direction. And this is just a truth. I don't know that the Bible's trying to say this about us, but sheep are typically dumb animals. They're not intelligent. Compared to most other animals, sheep are very unintelligent. And what I do know is that at least in comparison to God, we are dumb. We don't understand what he understands. We do not see what he sees. We do not know what he knows. His ways are higher than our ways. And so we need a shepherd. If you're here this morning and you're saved, you need to understand something about your relationship with God. You need him to lead you. You need him to be your shepherd. If you're here this morning and you're not saved, you need to understand something. You were designed to need a shepherd. 
And if you don't have God leading you in your life, you're going to wander around like most of us did for a long period of our life, and you're going to constantly find yourself wandering into harm, wandering into trouble, wandering into places that are not good for you. There's an enemy that wants to destroy you, and you need a shepherd to protect you. In Psalm 23, we have the picture of the perfect shepherd, my shepherd. This morning, I want us to look at this text, and I want to point out five things that make God the awesome, almighty shepherd. Number one this morning, quite simply, the shepherd loves us. And I want to show you Jesus actually used that term. In John 15, 13, Jesus said, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. The greatest love, he said, would be that someone would lay down his life for his friends. And then in John 10 and 11, he says, I am the good shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So here we see the connection that the shepherd loves us. All of Psalm 23 is ultimately about the peace that we should have because he's my shepherd. Now we are living in a time of unprecedented uh, fear, anxiety, worry, doubt, discouragement. We are, and I'm not mocking this, but we, we are the most medicated people on the planet, folks. We are the most medicated generation of human beings in the history of the world. Everybody's anxious. Everybody's depressed. Everybody's discouraged. Everybody's dealing with something, it seems like. The Bible talks about a peace that surpasses understanding. In other words, it is a peace that is so real and so unshakable that it doesn't make sense to the average person in the world. What I want to submit to you this morning is that for us to live with that peace, we must set our minds on the fact that God is our shepherd. There are five things we've got to set our minds on. And the first one this morning is the fact that God loves you. Folks, we hear that statement so frequently and so often that it's like, come on preacher, we already know that. We came to church to learn something that we didn't already know. Listen, if you're battling anxiety, depression, worry, fear, all of those things, any of those things, you listen to the preacher this morning. You need to set your mind on the fact God loves you and not let just go over your head like this. Phew. God loves you. That's an awesome thing. The Bible teaches us that perfect love casts out fear. And so if I know that my shepherd loves me, he doesn't just have the responsibility of caring for me as some sheep that he doesn't care about, but rather he loves me 
And I set my mind and my heart on that fact that my shepherd loves me. It should begin to cast out fear in my life about all that's going on around me. You're going to hear me use the term frequently this morning, set your mind. You've got to get it set. You've got to get it focused. You've got to get your mind and your heart focused on the goodness of God and who He is and the fact that the shepherd loves his sheep. You've got to set your mind and your heart on that if you're ever going to really grab a hold of the peace that surpasses understanding. You get your eyes, your mind, and your heart on all that's going on around us. You're going to find peace is nowhere to be found. You've got to get your eyes, your mind, and your heart set on something much higher, brothers and sisters. You've got to know that your eyes, your mind, and your heart set up on your heavenly Father who is the good shepherd. And you've got to know that he loves you. Number two this morning, not only does the good shepherd love us, but he leads us. Notice it says he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. There's a real important principle here this morning about the nature of God that's important to understand as a Christian. It's also important. If you're a non-Christian, it'll help you to understand something this morning about the nature of God. He leads us beside still waters. He leads us to green pastures. Now let me explain the analogy. Green pastures are a place where we are fed in safety. Still waters are a place where we have drink and a place to rest. It is a place of safety. The Bible teaches us that that is where God leads us. And you need to understand something. The same text, it tells us that we are led through the valley of the shadow of death. We're going to talk about it in a moment. The same text tells us sometimes we're surrounded by our enemies. And so clearly, we're not being told here that God only leads us to places where there's no threat, there's no pain, there's no suffering. That's not what this is telling us. But rather, in the face of difficulty, God is still leading us to still waters. This is the reason that the Apostle Paul, from a prison cell, is writing to the church trying to encourage them. This is why the apostles could skip off rejoicing that they had suffered persecution. Not because the still waters that God leads us to mean that we never go through suffering, we never go through pain, we never go through hardship. That's not what this is saying at all. But rather, in the face of it all, through it all, in the inner man, we can have peace. Now here's the point that you've got to see this morning. This is always where God leads us, folks. Always. God always leads His sheep to still waters and green pastures. The still waters and the green pastures might be in the midst of turmoil, but God still leads us there. There's an important lesson here about the Holy Spirit. You see, the Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit convicts us, but does not condemn us. 
And one of the things that's so important that you understand about the true leading of God, God always leads you to himself. And so if it's the Holy Spirit dealing with your heart, what you're going to find if you're going the wrong direction, if this way is the wrong direction, what the Holy Spirit will do with you is convict you of that and cause you to turn away from that and go towards God. But you know what a lot of us do when we're going the wrong direction? We hear the word of God preached. Sometimes we think about God. We're going the wrong direction. And something comes over us that's not conviction. It's condemnation. And we start to think to ourselves, oh, I'm a terrible person. I'm a failure. I'm never going to be a good Christian. I can never do it enough. I could never really serve God enough. And so then we start thinking, I should just give up. There's a part of us we're feeling like, I, I know I need to turn and go that direction towards God, but I feel condemned. I feel dirty. I feel wrong. I feel so evil. I feel like such a failure. And, 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 and I'm kind of feeling like I should go further this direction. Because I could never be right with God. Listen to me carefully this morning. That is not the Holy Spirit. That is either the voice of the enemy or the voice of your flesh. Because God always leads us to still waters. God always leads us to green pastures. The Holy Spirit will always turn you around and bring you back to a place of peace. This is so important to understand. Because every single one of us, at some point in our life, we are going to fall short. We are going to fail, and we're going to deal with trying to balance, is this the conviction of the Holy Spirit or the condemnation of the devil? And you've got to have your mind and your heart ready for that moment, and when the condemnation starts to heap upon you, and you think, oh, I could never serve God, I could never be right with God, I could never do this, I could never do that, and your instinct is to distance yourself from God, you've got to know that is not God, folks. The Lord leads us to still waters. The Lord leads us to green pastures. The Lord always turns us around and leads us back to Him. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that when I get to the Lord comforting us. But it should should bring great peace to know that the Good Shepherd leads us. And I want to say it again, God's leading is often different than what we think it would be. God led the Apostle Paul into prison. Keep that in mind. God led the apostles, almost all of them, to the death of a martyr's death. A violent public martyrdom. That's where God led them. God led the, uh, John, which the Bible often kind of refers to him as the one that the Lord loved the most. The one that was closest to him. The one that was, they were real tight. The one that Jesus from the very cross looked to John and said, Behold your mother, and mother behold your son. And they were close. God led that disciple to be banished to an island, history tells us, even tarred with hot tar possibly, tarred and feathered. They were persecuted. So do not misunderstand me this morning. When I say that God leads us, I am not saying 
That if you are in the center of God's will, and if you're following God, that everything in your life is going to be good and everything's going to be rosy. That's just not true. But what is so important is to realize that if God is leading us, then it doesn't matter where we are. And this is why the apostles had the attitude that don't matter if I'm a prison cell. Paul's attitude was, hey, everybody needs the gospel. This jailer that's, you know, next to me must need to hear the gospel as much as the guy out on the street. And God led me here so that I can share the gospel with him. It was just an attitude of wherever God leads, I'm willing to go. And sometimes where God leads, it's not always easy, folks. But the fact is the good shepherd does lead us. The Bible teaches that he directs our steps, that he directs our paths. That should give us a great sense of peace. Even when we don't get it right all the time, even when we get off track, for those of us who have a heart that simply wants to honor God and live God and we're doing what we can to serve him and we're willing to turn around when, we, when we're corrected and we got to turn around, it should bring this great sense of peace that no matter what I go through, no matter what I endure, no matter where I'm at in life, the fact is, I know this, I'm not the one leading God, he's the one leading me, and therefore my shepherd who loves me is also leading me, so no matter what I'm going through, I can have this great peace, it's all going to be okay. It changes the way you see chaos at times, it changes the way you see change in life. Set your mind. Set your mind and set your heart on the fact that not only does a good shepherd love me, he leads me. Number three this morning, we see that he protects us. It says, even through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. The Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Notice the words, even through or through. Through the valley of the shadow of death. So this is clearly a reference to death. But it's worth noting that the valley of the shadow of death is an actual real place. It's not just a metaphorical term. It's an actual place that's very difficult for shepherds to get sheep through. It's a very narrow pass. It's in the valley. You're pretty much unprotected from predators. It's, it, it, it takes some work to get your flock through there safely. It's a real place. And if sheep were to try to pass through that, there would be by themselves, without a shepherd to protect them, it would be a scary place to travel. And, and probably many of them would, would not make the journey. David points to this in reference to our relationship with God, and says, even though I pass through the valley of the shadow of death. Folks, we're all going to pass through it. Every one of us, at some point or another, we're all going to face death. It's the great statistic. And the analogy is saying that even when I go through the worst of the worst, even when I'm staring death in the face, even when I'm going through the lowest valley that I've ever been through, here's what I know. Even then he's with me and it says I will fear no evil it's not that I don't go through the difficult times but rather he is with me through it and because of that here's what I can trust he's protecting me you know this is hard for our minds to understand 
in a current culture that, that, that misunderstands Scripture in a great degree, that misapplies Scripture to a great degree, where we believe that if God protects us, that means that we never go through harm. Not what it means. It means He's with us. He's with us through it. And when you understand that, it's a game changer. Like nothing that you face as God's children, nothing that you face is outside of his hands. Even if we're going through the valley of the shadow of death, he's there. That was the great promise that, lo, I am with you until the end of the age, until the end of the world. That's the great promise. He's there with us. Knowing that changes things. I do think that we need to be smart. I think that there, you know, the Bible teaches us when Jesus, if you remember, was tempted by the devil in the wilderness in uh, Matthew chapter 3, one of the things that, that uh, Satan said to Jesus was, if you really believe the scriptures, then why don't you jump off of this cliff? Because the Bible says that the angels will lift you up and not let you dash your heel against a rock. And Jesus said, well, it's also written that you don't tempt the Lord your God. And so we do need to make smart decisions. I'm not saying that you can jump off of a building and God's going to protect you from hitting the earth. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is this. Folks, when we are following the leading of God in our life, no matter what we go through, because He's protecting us, we can have a great peace that whatever happens, happens within the will of God. It was a game changer for me years ago in a handful of situations that I was in. But I just realized um, in that exact moment that if I was to die, that it was because it was God's choice, God's will. And that if I didn't, it was because God had other plans for me going forward and I wasn't going to die. There's, there, there's a certain peace that comes to our life when we know that we know that we know the good shepherd's protecting me. It's his job to protect me. It's my job to follow. And if that means we end up going through the valley of the shadow of death, hey, listen, I don't care where the shepherd goes. I'm following him. If that's where he's going, then that's where I'm going. And I've got to have this sense of trust. He loves me. He wants what's best for me. He's leading me, and he's protecting me. Number four this morning. The good shepherd comforts us. In the back half of verse 4, it says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This is the most interesting statement for this preacher in Psalm 23. Your rod and your staff, Comfort me. Now listen. From my earthly perspective. I don't see a lot of comfort in the rod and the staff. I'm going to explain where it comes from in a moment. Because it takes a spiritual perspective to see it. But the shepherd did not take his rod and pet the sheep with it. He didn't take it and comfort them with his rod. The rod, the staff, was literally used to correct the sheep when they wouldn't listen. When they were getting veered off, for whatever reason were being stubborn, and wouldn't get back where they needed to be, 
The rod and the staff were for a little extra umph to put a little power on it and get them back where they're supposed to be. It was a, it was a tool of correction, not necessarily a tool of comfort. That's what the rod was for. That's why they carried it. And yet David says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I did not share this at the first service, but I just feel so compelled to share it right now. I cannot wait to preach Brendan Rainey's memorial service tomorrow. I've got a sermon I've never preached in all my life that the Lord gave me in Honduras that I literally wept over. And I'm going to deal with this truth that in the last days, or, or excuse me, after David's son died, right after his great failure with Bathsheba, David makes this statement where he says, I'm done weeping about it. I can't bring the boy back to me, but I will go to him. I'm going to preach on that. David says this. He says, I will go to him. David had a confidence he was going to go to heaven. He already knew his son was there, but David knew he was going to go there. This was on the heels of his greatest moral failure of his life. The guy had just had the worst failure in the history of his life, and on the heels of that failure, he says with great confidence, I'm going to heaven. How? Where does that confidence come from? You have to show up tomorrow to find out. Now I'll give you a little preview here. David said, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your correction, it comforts me. David had the prophet Nathan sent to him. And Nathan shows up. And if you don't know the story, Nathan says, he, he gives this great analogy of this rich man that had a bunch of sheep that stole somebody else's. And David's like, kill that man! Nathan says, well, that really that man is you. You're the man. And he goes into what happened with David's great sin. And David is confronted. David is disciplined by God. And David does repent. And then David shortly says thereafter, he knows he's going to heaven. How does he know? Hebrews 12 tells us that the father disciplines the son whom he loves. And even though David had got well off track, the very fact that God showed him discipline and correction, it reinforced the truth to David that he was still God's son. And so the correction of God, the rod of God, the staff of God, it teaches us that we are His children. And therefore, when we get it wrong and we're going the wrong direction, when the good shepherd shows up with the staff in his hands and has to provide a little correction to get us back on the track, it brings comfort. The correction itself is not what brings the comfort. What brings the comfort is knowing God still loves me enough to track me down, to deal with me in my stupidity, and to put me back on the right track because he refuses to let me go. He's a good father. He's a good shepherd. And so David says, your correction in my life, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
I can tell you, I, I can relate to this. There have been times in my life where I got it wrong. And I don't want to be over humble or whatever or exaggerate my, the times I've got it wrong. But there have been a handful of times I got it really wrong. Whether I had a bad attitude towards an individual, whether I had taken it upon myself to become the jury, the judge, and the executioner of somebody and forgot that only God knows the heart. Man looks on the outward appearance, whether it was a season in my life where I really allowed the flesh to just kind of take over my thought processes and my heart. and Whatever this, this case may be, there's been a handful of times in my life as a Christian that I got it really wrong. And I can say that every time that God's came to where I was and had to discipline me and had to convict me of my sins and really get out the rod and get out the staff and get serious with me, because some of us are stubborn and it does take the little extra rod. It takes the staff at times in our life. I can tell you that every time that God did it to me, it corrected me. But it also brought comfort. It's the strangest thing. Like I knew God loved me. That's why he was disciplining me. I knew it. I just in my heart, I knew it. That's why. It's because he loves me. He's not mad at me. He's not trying to shame me. He's not trying to hurt me. He's trying to help me. And he's doing it through this correction in my life. And even though I was wrong and I got off to where I shouldn't be spiritually and emotionally, the correction of God in my life to put me back on track it also comforted me and it reminded me I'm still His. I am His Son. He is my Father and He loves me. And it also comforted me a little bit to know He's not just going to let me keep going off track. He's going to be there and He's going to be moving in my life and He's going to be doing what it takes. And if I keep going and keep going, the staff might get a little harder. The correction might get a little bit harder, but my father is not going to let me go off. He's going to find me where I'm at. My shepherd is going to leave the 99 if he has to and track me down and do what it takes to get me back on track. David said, in my life, the correction of God has brought me much comfort. You know, when you see what I'm telling you, folks, it will change your attitude about correction. Paul spoke to Timothy about a time in the end of days when people wouldn't want correction anymore. We're living in it now. People don't want to be corrected. People don't want to be told they're wrong. But the fool despises correction. The wise man learns to love it. And I want to challenge you this morning. You need to change your mindset about correction. And there are a lot of ways that God will correct us. Sometimes it's straight through His Word. Sometimes it's in that place of prayer. Sometimes it's the Holy Spirit all by the Holy Spirit itself convicting you of something. Sometimes, though, we see in Matthew chapter 18, correction actually comes through the church. It comes through our spiritual elders, the people that are leaders in our lives, being willing to say, hey, brother, hey, sister, this is just not right. The wise man will learn to love that correction and understand that our God, our, our Father is a good Father, our Shepherd is a good Shepherd, and that correction bringing us back, it should provide comfort. Finally, this morning, we see that He provides for us. 
In verse 5, it says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. You prepare a table for me. That's the analogy, a full table. I've often thought it would be interesting if some great artist could find a way to capture this analogy. Sitting by yourself at a table with a full spread of food, everything you need to drink, your cup overflowing, surrounded by your enemies watching you eat. That'd be an interesting picture. That's the picture that David gives us. Now, David actually understood this analogy. If you remember the story of David, David's king got very jealous of David and decided he was going to put David to death. So David goes on the run, and then the king sends the army, the full force of the army, to hunt David down. And David spends a significant period of time running for his life from the army of Saul. He would sleep out in the cliffs. He would sleep in the caves. He would sleep in the, you know, the mountains, in the woods. He was constantly on the move as his life. He was being hunted like a dog. David actually understood this statement probably better than any of us ever could when he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. David was able to look back at that period of his life and say, God, everything I needed, you gave it to me. Even though I was being hunted and even though my enemies were surrounding me, you fed me, you gave me water, you anointed my head with oil when I needed anointed, you, you, you gave it all to me. And what we see here about the great shepherd is that he provides for us, folks. The Bible, when you really see it for what it is, God, for when you really see him for who he is. We see that it's in the face of our enemies. We see that it's during the period of David's life where he's running for his life, where he learns that God is with him there and that there's nothing the enemy can do about it. God's going to feed him. God's going to give him water. God's going to take care of him. It teaches us that to be close with God, to be led by God, to be loved by God has never meant that we don't suffer. It has never meant that we don't go through valleys. It has never meant that we were always going to have, you know, earthly calm, earthly peace. But that our calm and our peace is from another realm. It's in the face of all that's going on in the earth that we still have peace, the peace that surpasses understanding. And our shepherd provides for us. Whatever it is, he's the one who knows our needs. I'm going to tell you something, brothers and sisters. Sometimes what we think we need, we're wrong about. But he is always right. And he is our provider. And in our time of need, whatever it is, our God always provides. In the presence of our enemies. In the presence of conflict. He feeds us. He waters us. He anoints us. Set your mind on these things this morning. You take the time to get your mind and your heart focused on the fact. Number one, he's my shepherd. And he loves me. He leads me. He protects me. He comforts me. 
He provides for me. And all of a sudden, all the fury that the world throws your way, it no, no longer has power. Fear no longer grips the heart. There's a sense of all is fine as long as he's my shepherd. The conclusion, the conclusion on the whole matter is found in verse 6. David says, because of it all, because he's my shepherd, because he loves me, because he leads me, because he protects me, because he comforts me and corrects me, because he provides for me, here's the conclusion. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That's his conclusion about his life. He has another conclusion about heaven. But first of all, I want to consider the conclusion of his life. He says, goodness and mercy are going to follow me wherever I go. It's an interesting concept. The shepherd's leading us. He's also following us. It's it's a beautiful picture. And he says, what follows me is two things, goodness and mercy. Goodness could be translated grace. It's it's when God does good to us just because he loves us. But I love the word mercy. David knew it as well as any man that all the days of his life, mercy followed him. You know what mercy is? It's when you've got it wrong and God should punish you, but instead of punishing you, he shows you mercy. All the days of my life because he's my shepherd so long as I live until my final dying breath God's going to show me grace I don't deserve it and he's going to show me mercy when I need it I don't deserve it but I need it all the days of my life he said I've got this great confidence that until the end God's going to follow me He's going to take care of me. He's going to lead me. He's going to show me grace, and he's going to show me mercy. And then finally he says, concerning life afterwards, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This morning, I am so grateful that I can say that he is my shepherd. He's my shepherd. I hope that he's yours. If you're here this morning and you can't say with absolute certainty, he's my shepherd too. I plead with you, let today be the day. I plead with you, make him yours this morning.